LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. This is the Unseen Leadership Podcast, where we explore the unseen stories that shaped leaders into who they are today. It's so easy for me to judge my day based on how much I cross off this to-do list that's right at my right elbow now, even as I'm speaking. And it's easy for me to base how I feel about my day and even myself on that. And instead, I'm, I'm constantly trying to reorient my compass to say, no, my day is based on how well did I love God and how well do I love others as I love myself. Well, welcome to the Unseen Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Chandler Vinoy, here as always with my co-host, Josh Hunter. Yo. Josh. What's up, man? You got your Starbucks with you today? Got the Starbucks. What'd Americano. You, what, oh, Americano. Americano. All right. Yeah. I don't know why I like it, but I like it. So there you go. I just always get it. Well, who, who do we have with us? We have Kara Powell with us, and she is the executive director of Fuller Youth Institute and a faculty member at Fuller Theological Seminary. She's also the author of Sticky Faith and Growing Young, and in January, as in like this January. This month. Right now, Chandler. She had a new high school curriculum release titled Faith in an Anxious World. Kara, we're so excited to have you on today. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, but I don't have a Starbucks with me. I have homemade iced tea that I made myself. Boom, so. that sounds go. better, honestly. Yeah, a little healthy. So, so it's iced tea, though, not sweet tea like we would be drinking down here in the South, right? Yeah, I can't drink sweet tea. It's, <laughs> it's too sweet for me. I didn't grow up with it. So I'm, I'm more of a a regular iced tea person. I, I totally get it. Where are you talking? Where, where are you at today? Where are you sitting right now? Right now, at this very moment, I am in my house in Pasadena, California, which is also where I work. That's where Fuller Seminary's main campus is. That's awesome. A little, little jealous of the weather out there today. I know it's probably beautiful. Yeah, um, my kids went to school today in shorts. So yes, <laughs> oh. it's pretty if, if nice. only over here. Well, yeah. I know I know Josh highlighted it um, as he was introducing you, but one thing that we're really excited about, and for those listening, I know that we do have some some leaders who are listening who do student ministry, and you just released Faith in an Anxious World, which is a curriculum. Can you just share, and we'll talk about it a little bit more in the podcast, but can you just share a quick overview of kind of the heart behind that study? Yeah, absolutely. Well, as you mentioned in your intro, I am the executive director of the Fuller Youth Institute at Fuller Seminary. So I spend a lot of time with leaders and parents of young people, teenagers and young adults. And I'll tell you, I don't go a day these days without somebody, a leader or a parent, asking me mm. about anxiety, depression, even suicide, um, all parts of the country, all economic status. I mean, it's, it's really um, gotten to be pretty rampant mm. with our young people, our children, our teenagers, and our young adults. And so we felt like we needed to respond to that. And so we took the best research of Fuller's schools of theology and psychology, including learning from a lot of amazing therapists um, and turn that into a four-week curriculum for youth ministries, as well as four parallel podcasts for parents, so that student ministries, churches, um, and parents can all be on the same page in understanding how to better respond to our stressed young people these days. I mean, that sounds like, just as you mentioned, it is very prevalent right now. So thank you for stepping into that space and providing such a great resource. If somebody wanted to check out those podcasts um, of course, you can check out the, the curriculum as well, probably. Where, where can they go for those? Yeah, great question. Um, FullerYouthInstitute.org uh, slash Anxious World. So FullerYouthInstitute.org slash Anxious World is where we really have our best portal to all that we're offering to help folks 
who are either navigating anxiety themselves or want to help a young person. Perfect. So if you're listening, you're going to want to check that out. Now, Kara, let's get into the questions here. We're so excited to hear a little bit about your story. So can you walk us through a quick overview of the different leadership roles you've been in over the years that led you to where you are today at Fuller? Yeah, absolutely. So in college, um, I was involved with Young Life. I was on student staff in young, with Young Life uh, because I've, I've really felt a burden for young people since the start of college. Um, and as I was graduating from college, I was, was really praying quite a bit about whether to focus on a church ministry or a parachurch ministry, so to speak, and ended up feeling more led to church ministry. So mm. once I graduated from college, I started getting my master's degree, my MDiv, um, and working at an Assemblies of God church in San Diego. That was actually my home church. Um, I, I finished my master's degree, started my PhD at Fuller, and ended up uh, joining the staff of Lake Avenue Church in Pasadena, which is still our church. That's um, awesome. We've been part of this church for, I don't know, 25 plus years. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and our, our kids are really blessed and love it. Um, and in the midst of being on staff at uh, Lake Avenue and working on my PhD, Fuller Seminary was starting this new research center where they wanted to better listen to the top questions of parents and leaders and then take the best research that Fuller and others are doing and turn it into a practical tool uh, for families and churches and ministries. And so when I heard about that, you know, the idea of leading a research center that stood with one foot in the world of real life, young people, families, ministries, and another foot in the world of the best research, I thought, wow, that's, that's where I want to stand. So I've been leading the Fuller Youth Institute, or FYI, um, for the last 14 years and just really, really love it. It's transformed my own parenting. It's transformed my views of the gospel and church. I feel like um, every day, every week, I'm learning something new myself. That's so cool. When did you realize during all these different transitions and your time in seminary, because there's so much training and preparation, that's, that's kind of how I view seminary. It's preparing you for ministry, the mind and the heart. But when did you realize, man, I'm, I'm a leader. Like, did people affirm that in you? Did you kind of know you had that leadership it factor, if you will? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, I would say it was really in high school when my leadership gifts um, started to emerge, and I realized I, I liked um, I, I liked being in front of a group of people, not not literally necessarily, although that was true, but just kind of being the, the tip of the arrow, moving a group forward. Mm -hmm. That was a role that I, I really enjoyed. Um, and I ran for student body president of my high school, and I lost oh. that election. I know, painful, <laughs> painful, painful. Um, and, and at that point, my youth pastor, Mike, and his wife, Christy, um, they came alongside me and said, you know what, uh, we think someday God's going to call you to youth ministry. Mm, that's cool. Um, and I, I was on my way uh, to being an attorney. Both my parents are attorneys, and I saw how much good they were doing on so many different parts of our society. And so I thought, no, I'm going to be an attorney. Um, but I ended up volunteering more and more in our in our youth ministry as a high school senior, um, and then kind of had a, a supernatural moment uh, in my sophomore year of college, where God made it pretty clear that He was calling me to work with young people. And so ever since then, I've been uh, focused on young people and the adults who influence young people. That's 
That's what I cry over. That's who I'm drawn to pray for. Mm. Um, but really, you know, I, I, I want to be clear. It was the influence of my youth pastor and his wife uh, who came alongside me as a student and and called out leadership gifts that I hadn't yet seen. So mm. I'm so grateful to them and, and to all your listeners who are doing the same every day. I think that's so cool about each of our stories is, is there's that one, per- there could be multiple people, but it could be even, you know, your youth pastor hopefully realized what they, you know, he was doing that day, affirming that leadership in you. But it's those little moments that mean so much in the long run when somebody affirms those type of gifts and leadership in us. So just if you're listening, just know that those little details do matter and really affect the long haul. Now, one other question I want to ask you on this and I, cause I, cause very much when you, when you're going through kind of where you've been, you've been through a lot of higher education and, yeah. and you pursued your, your education through seminary, your PhD. And there might be some listening who have been wrestling. Do I need to go to seminary? What does that look like for me? I'm not sure if I want to, what advice would you give? And even from your own story, what did that mean for your um, what did education mean to, to you and your leadership and what advice would you give to someone who's kind of wrestling with that right now? Yeah, great question. Um, so, you know, this is an interesting season for seminaries because many of the denominations that have traditionally required seminary and their leaders, um, are not growing. And if anything, they're shrinking. So it's a time Hmm. when many seminaries, um, are experiencing some challenges with enrollment and the good news in that is I, I'm seeing at Fuller and other seminaries that seminaries are being more thoughtful than ever about what is it that leaders today most need and how can we combine mm. depth with practicality in responding to those questions. So, you know, I would say in terms of your question about um, how education formed me, I had the, the, the real honor and, and privilege of doing school and working simultaneously. So I would be a, you know, half-time to full-time student um, and be working half-time-ish um, in, in a ministry. And I mean, the questions that I was experiencing <laughs> in my church and in my leadership, I would bring into class at yeah. seminary and into my papers. And similarly, you know, what I was learning in seminary um, was informing what I was doing in hands-on ministry. So, you know, I, I think what I kind of stumbled onto is in many ways um, something I recommend to others is if you can find a good synergy, then that way you can combine the best of both. And, you know, I'll tell you, I meet so many people who say to me, Oh, you know, I've been thinking about seminary for the last five years, the last 10 years, but I just haven't started. And I think, Oh my goodness, if you just started when you started thinking about it, then <laughs> right. you'd be done. Um, and so, you know, what I, what I recommend to folks is, is really just start um, and see how it feels. Like, you know, take a class or two and you might find that it's absolutely unsustainable for your life and calling and the relationships that are important to you. Or you might decide, hey, this actually is really doable and I think God's calling me to it. So, you know, Fuller and, and really most seminaries are offering so much online that you no longer need to move. Um, leave, you know, the, the neighborhood, the context that's important to you. So, so I would say, Hey, just start and see if it, if how valuable is it? And if it's sustainable in your life. That's such great advice. (laughs) Just even on that last part, I think of, I think it's Tolkien who says little by little, we travel far. (laughs) I think that's so true Uh, for seminary. I just wrapped up my MDiv and it, I mean, it is a very 
long road. But if you knock it out, yeah. just like you said, if you just start, you'll look back yeah. and be like, wow, instead of waiting five years, I would have actually, you know, knocked it out. But one other thing, and I think we talked about this on our recent podcast, um, was, and it's something that you highlighted, Karen, I greatly appreciate this, is the pairing of being in seminary while also serving in ministry. Um, mm-hmm. And even, of course, that doesn't always work out where you can do both, you know, part-time or full-time staff at a church or, you know, part-time, full-time student. But no matter what, and I, I heard this in in kind of what you're saying is, please be serving in a local church if you are in seminary. That is like the number one thing I would say is don't go there and say, well, you know, after that, I'll get started serving. Just hop in as a volunteer somewhere and serve the church. You have to have the practical hands-on training as well. So, yeah, that's good. Kara, can you tell us about a pivotal moment that you look back on that changed your leadership journey? Something that happened that impacted your life or your leadership during that time? Yeah, absolutely. The first one that comes to mind was in the middle of me really wrestling with my call of uh, full-time ministry and having some experience, even as a high school senior and college freshman volunteering, but I really wanted to make sure it was God who was calling me to vocational ministry. Um, And one of the challenges for me is I hadn't seen very many women in full-time ministry. I had some amazing male mentors um, and our our church staff was predominantly male, but I just hadn't had that visual aid of a woman um, doing ministry, especially student ministry in terms of being employed. And so I was a high school senior at an event for teenagers in San Diego. And a woman came up to me in the bathroom as I was washing my hands and she had a clipboard and she said, you know, I'm part of, of the teaching team here and, and we just want to see what students are thinking so far this day. And, and again, here I am washing my hands as a high school senior. And she said, um, well, you know, what do you think of the worship? What do you think of the teaching? What do you think of the games? And then she put the clipboard down and she looked at me and she said, do you think God's calling you to youth ministry? And wow. I said, well, uh, maybe. And she said, that is not a question on this clipboard. I really felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to ask you that question. That's awesome. Um, And here's my card. And her name was Becky. And she was the first woman I had met in full-time ministry. And so, you know, as a high school senior and especially through college and post-college, I was so grateful for this visual aid that God had provided in a really supernatural way. I mean, even just telling that story uh, now, again, I, I got chills at how the Holy Spirit led that whole interaction. Love and, that. You know, of, of 500 students brought Becky to me just at the time when I needed um, when I needed that encouragement as a woman in ministry. So, so that was um, that was definitely pivotal for me. Man, I think that's I think that's so cool. I feel like I've had moments of like that throughout my life, and it's taught me. Um, man, never take any little conversation for granted because the yeah. Lord can use those in really, really big ways, little conversations and really big ways. Yeah. And I, man, yeah. I, I can just recall so many right now in a difficult decision or maybe even not even thinking about making a difficult decision. Hmm. But then some sucker says something to me that <laughs> yeah. gets me thinking really deeply for the next two weeks. Yeah. But that was the Lord using them yeah. and speaking through them to me. And it's, man, it's so cool when that happens. Love it. Well, what was your biggest mistake as a leader getting started? I'm sure there weren't many, but if you could name maybe just one, what would you say? I I was actually going to say the opposite. Like, how long is this podcast? Um, Right. That's that's a great, um, and and now so many come to mind. It's just, which should I choose? So, you know, I would say um, 
uh, if you're familiar with the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram three, um, which is the achiever. Yep. And so like to do lists. I was about really to say your to do list is probably on your table somewhere. It is right next to me, actually. <laughs> tasks are really important to me. I mean, how I respond to things is is very, um, very much an accomplishment orientation, which, you know, that's how God's made me. And that's part of what I really like about myself. But it's also probably the biggest challenge for me in leadership, is mm. especially in my early years. Um, you know, as a youth pastor, I was always focused on what needed to happen, you know, kind of programmatically and what was next on the schedule. And so, you know, I would kind of walk quickly past kids um, on my way to, quote, accomplish something, end quote, or, you know, or get something crossed off my to-do list hmm. on our Sunday mornings and our midweek programs. And so, um, you know, I, I had to really readjust and I guess I'm continuing to adjust and really value people. Um, more than what I get done. And one of the ways that I've, I've tried to do that is really focus on what Jesus says are, are the most important commandments, which are to love God and love others. And it's so easy for me to judge my day based on how much I cross off this to-do list that's mm. right at my right elbow now, even as I'm speaking. <laughs> Um, and you know, I, I love it when I can get most of my emails replied and all that. And, and it's easy for me to base how I feel about my day and even myself on that. And instead I'm, I'm constantly trying to reorient my compass to say, no, my day is based on how well did I love God and Mm. how well did I love others as I love myself. And Mm. so shifting that criteria is an ongoing challenge for me. So, um, and opportunity for growth, I can definitely say. So that's probably a whole big category of mistakes that I've made. No, I really like the way you put that, like ending your day, not by looking at your to-do list and saying, okay, how did I measure up? But instead saying, how did I do in these two categories of loving God and loving others? And I mean, I think in Mark 12, it talks about those are the two primary commands is to love God and to mm-hmm. love others. Um, and so to, to realign our day when it comes to that and a while back we had uh, Bob Russell on yeah, um, yeah. from, from Southeast uh, Christian church. And he, he was talking about, he, he, you know, we asked his ideal daily routine and he said, well, I'd, I'd leave the office and whatever work was left to do, I'd leave it there and I'd go home. Mm. <laughs> and, and I remember just thinking, uh, how do you I do that? Like, yeah. I, you know, we, we took, I took the Enneagram uh, a little while ago and I was a, th- I was a three and then I took it again and I was an eight. So I still bounce back and forth trying to figure out which one of those I am. Who knows? Three, yeah. maybe a three, <laughs> but I, I really resonate with what you say, said there, Kara, because it, it sometimes at the end of my day, I look at my to-do list and say, there's still so much left to be done. Did I really accomplish much today? Mm-hmm. And let that be my worth rather than those two categories. So th- that's a huge takeaway for me. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. That's yeah, really, really good. Hey, before we get to the next question, Let's take just a moment, just a little moment and hear from our sponsor. On this podcast, we hope to equip our listeners with the best resources to help churches thrive. So if you're looking at launching a thriving church in a rented venue, I encourage you to check out the team at Portable Church. Portable Church Industries equips churches meeting in alternative venues with total solutions so you can launch strong, be reproducible and thrive in your communities. For over 25 years, they have partnered with church planners and multi-site leaders, mastering creative, intelligent, effective, portable church solutions. So you and your team stay focused on the things that matter, building disciples. 
See what this looks like by visiting portablechurch.com slash lifeway. Once again, that's portablechurch.com slash lifeway. Now, back to the podcast. Carol, what book do you wish someone gave you when you were just starting to lead? Mm. And you can't say the Bible. Yeah. Or sticky faith. Or sticky faith, yeah. Uh, Hilarious. Um, I could, uh, you know, any books that you two have written, I could certainly recommend that. What's a big zero over here? This is the toughest question you've asked me so far, because I'm a huge book lover, book reader. Um, and you know, one good thing about PhD is it trains you how to read a lot of books quickly. So mm. I'm, I'm kind of a devourer of books. So I'll, I'll share one that's, that's definitely shaped our team recently and myself. Um, and it was actually recommended to me by a, a few of our donors and it's called measure what matters by John Doerr, D-O-E-R-R. Huh. Um, and the subtitle is how Google Bono and the Gates foundation rock the world with OKRs. Um, which stands I, I, I for, saw this okay. on Amazon the other day. I can't wait to hear yeah. what you say about this. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, the whole book revolves around OKRs, which is objectives and key results. Um, so here, my Enneagram 3-ness is definitely <laughs> evident here. Um, and it's all about how, how to set better goals for yourself and for your organization. So that's the objective part. And then how to have the actionable steps, the key results to accomplish those goals. Um, and the Foley Youth Institute that I work with, we have been um, guilty of setting far too many goals for a year hmm. um, and and not having enough of a sense for where we want to be in three to five years. <laughs> so hmm. we have way too many for the next 12 months and not enough for three to five years. And this book, as well as some others, um, have helped us have fewer goals, have better goals, and have not just annual goals, but also a better three to five, as well as 10-year trajectory. So, um, you know, as we're in the start of 2020, this book we relied on quite a bit in the end of 2019 to kind of come up with our, our plan prayerfully for 2020. That's cool. So one, I appreciate you recommending mine and Chandler's books, which, you know, we, we haven't, haven't, I'm working on one called Sticky Doubts, but awesome. <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. She's pre-recommending our books. Yeah, right. pre-recommending. Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> Sticky That's Doubts, great. 2032. But I guess to follow up to that, you said you were a devourer of books. Um, we, Chandler and I use an app called Goodreads to keep track of the books that we read and we're trying to get better every year and read more (laughs) books and learn more. But what advice would you give to read more books, especially, and let's, let's specifically talk to somebody that feels like they don't have a lot of extra time. Maybe that's a student pastor by vocational and seminary working full time, a lot of different things going on in someone's life. How would you, what would you tell them to do to read more? Yeah. Um, you know, always have a book with you, whether that's in your device and whatever tablet you're using in your car in your briefcase, you know, I, I have a book in my car and in my briefcase. So wherever I am, if I ever have some free moments, I have time to mm. read. Um, you know, I would say the other choice that many of us have to make um, is between uh, reading and watching something. Mm. Uh, I, you know, I used to say TV, but now it's more likely to be Netflix or Hulu or, yeah. Hulu or something like that. Um, and so, you know, maybe be thoughtful that one night a week, I will not watch particular shows, but instead I'll spend an, you know, an hour, hour and a half reading. Um, and the other, the other thing I would say that has helped me quite a bit with reading, which is a little bit the opposite of your question is 
I was I was reading so much and that I wasn't really applying it hmm. well enough. And yeah. I think that's true regardless of how much you read. It's easy to read a book and say, oh, that was really good. But then if somebody asks you, well, how do you want to live or live <laughs> differently? You're kind of speechless. Yeah. So you had all these impressions as you were reading the book, but then by the end, you kind of move on to your life as normal. And so one of the things that I'm trying to do with particularly impactful books about leadership mm. is take a lot of notes in the book. Uh, and I'm, I'm someone, I fold down corners, I underline, I highlight, you know, if that's not your style. My husband hates that. He's, he's like a, <laughs> Some people are, are cringing right now. You fold the corners? Totally. <laughs> totally. Exactly. You can always tell in our house whose books are whose. By that's how If there are any corners folded down. So, you know, if that's not you, whatever system works for you or, you know, however you're reading on your tablet. And then the, the principle is go back through the notes you've taken or whatever yeah. you highlight. Yeah. Um, before you put that book on your bookshelf, go back through. And ideally talk about it with somebody, a spouse, a friend, a roommate, a colleague. But at the very least, I am in a habit of creating word docs yep. with uh, what I've learned from books, just so that it's one more way for me to process before I move on to my next book. I, I love that. One of my New Year's resolutions um, was to write basically an executive summary of each book I read because I felt Great. exactly what you were saying is I was yeah. speeding through books and I wasn't really even digesting what I read. So I used to do it in the front cover and I realized it's a lot easier to be able to search in Evernote. So it sounds like you do it in Word doc. So I love that. Kara, looking back on your leadership journey, what do you wish that you had done differently? Yeah. You know, I already talked about my ongoing temptation to focus more on what I do than the people I love. So that's certainly one of them. Mm -hmm. But you know, one of the things I've thought about quite a bit um, is I wish in my younger days as a leader, I was more, um, more overtly biblical in my interactions with students. And what I mean by that is I wish I had talked about the Bible more with them. Mm. Um, I, I wish that when I was out with them for coffee or what well, was usually frozen yogurt at the time, that frozen <laughs> yogurt was big with teenagers in the late eighties and nineties. So when I was out to frozen yogurt or, or grabbing a Coke with them, um, I, you know, I was, I was insecure in how much to talk about God. And so I would um, often tell myself, okay, Carrie, you got to ask one question about God. Hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I even, this is going to sound ridiculous, but I even timed it mentally in my head so that it like, it was far enough in the conversation that we had connected, but it wasn't the very end of the conversation because I was afraid that that could be awkward. I mean, this, this was how ludicrous my thinking was. <laughs> Got to like stopwatch. <laughs> exactly. And insert one question about God or Jesus. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I just wish I had talked more freely with young people, again, in large groups and small groups, one-on-one about God, what God was doing in my life, what I was learning from the Bible, how the Bible connected to their questions. So, you know, being more overtly spiritual, um, my times of students, I thought about that a lot. Uh, that's something that we can all do. I mean, especially just in general. So, I mean, that's, that's definitely something I'm sure that we all feel the weight of. So this next question, I'm, I'm so excited to hear about more about the curriculum that you released, the faith in an anxious world. And I think it's going to really hit a lot of our listeners. So it's a resource designed to help young people find hope in the midst of their anxiety and depression. So you, I know you spent a lot of time researching and writing about this curriculum what advice would you share with the young leaders listening about how to handle anxiety and depression? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
there's a couple mistakes that we tend to make as, as leaders. We're afraid that if we bring up the question of anxiety with young people or really any generation, that it's somehow going to make it worse. And so we're silent about it. And that's the absolute worst approach. Hmm. Um, you know, just again, focusing on young people in particular, they're surrounded in social media and in their classrooms with talk about mental health. And then um, ironically at home and at church, we're often silent about it. Hmm. And so, you know, one of my first encouragements is to ask children, teenagers, young adults who are close to you just periodically, hey, how are you feeling in terms of anxiety level? Even ask them a scale of one to 10, how are you feeling? Um, this is an idea that we learned from one of the therapists we interviewed for our parent podcast. Uh, scale of one to 10, how are you feeling? And you know, if they're less than a six, then it's probably okay. And you can help them think about, you know, how you can partner with them and help them manage it. But if it's a seven or more, that's often a sign that we need to bring in a professional um, and so, you know, I'd say the first mistake that a lot of folks make is not talk about it enough. The second mistake is not bringing in a professional, a trained therapist. Um, and sometimes we don't know how to find them. Well, this is where I'd encourage you, um, if you're not on a church staff to reach out to your church staff and see what recommendations they could have about therapists. Schools can make great recommendations about therapists. Um, and so, you know, be creative. Think about who you know, who's maybe been in therapy, who can tell you about their therapist, who might be good or might be able to recommend somebody else. And so, um, you know, those are my two biggest encouragements is make sure you talk about it and make sure that if that, if anybody, but especially, you know, my expertise as young people is a seven or more, then that's a sign that they probably need help that's beyond you. I think that's very helpful. And even just thinking for those listening, maybe you are on a church staff and I think a really good tangible takeaway is maybe if somebody were to come up to you and ask for recommendations, you may not have those right now. So start there. I mean, start to have a plan in place of saying, we're going to have a list of recommended therapists and even for young leaders who are listening, ask your friends, how you doing? And I think that same scale really will translate well and just be talking, talking to your friends about that. So thanks for shining a light on that. So now we're going to move to the quick hitter questions. These are going to be short one minute answers and we'll get started with this one. What is your ideal daily routine? So what time do you wake up, get into the office, all that good stuff? Awesome. Well, I'm a morning person. So I'm usually waking up around six to six 30, uh, even before my alarm clock. Wow. I usually do email, spend time with the Lord in the morning. Usually, um, I'll take one of my teenagers to school around quarter to eight, eight, uh, typically in the office from eight till four ish. Um, I'm trying between work and home to squeeze in a class at the gym these days. That's one of my 2020 goals, um, both for physical health as well as to have a hobby other than uh, work and my family. Sure. <laughs> that can be much of what I do. Um, and then we love having dinner at home with our teenagers, however many of them are home. Sometimes we have to do it in shifts, but that's a priority for us. Um, if I don't have a meeting or something that night, um, I'll typically do a little bit more work at home and then I, I enjoy relaxing with my husband. Um, sometimes that's watching Netflix, sometimes that's <laughs> reading together, whatever it might be. I'm usually in bed by 10 or 1030. So that's a, that's a pretty typical day for me. What is your favorite personality test? I know you mentioned the Enneagram earlier, but do you have a personal favorite? 
Uh, it probably is the Enneagram these days because so many folks are using it that it's just a healthy shorthand um, and people are understanding it and taking online versions, et cetera. And so it's kind of a quick and easy way to, to, to dive into deeper relationship, better communication with somebody. I do think my concern with personality tests is it often becomes our excuse to not grow. <laughs> mm -hmm, it's like, yeah. well, I'm just a three, so I'm just going to be a workaholic. Um, and so that's the caveat or the caution I would offer with personality tests is make sure you understand, you know, your strengths as well as growth areas that God has for you. No, that's a really wise word. I, I think personality te tests, how I try to view them for me is like, here are my tendencies. If yeah. I'm not careful, here are my tendencies. If I'm healthy or I'm unhealthy. But man, who has God shaped me to be according mm. to the fruit of the spirit and what yeah. he's calling me to do? And how does that reflect in my personality? But that's a, that's a really wise word. Great. What is an unusual habit that helps you in your leadership? Boy, that's an interesting question. <laughs> um, I have a freaky memory when it comes to numbers. So I still remember my friend's phone numbers from middle school. Um, numbers just are kind of emblazoned on my mind. And so that often really helps me when it comes to budget questions uh, <laughs> and, and conversations with donors. I'm, I, I might forget somebody's name, but I'll remember any numbers that they told me. So the, the habit of numbers being cemented in my mind um, often helps me. Do you, do you have any of Pi memorized? Oh, you know what? I have never really tried. So I'll, just, I'll, I'll just, just gonna the see. first few digits. <laughs> there you go. Were you ever a, sh a fan? We can delete this later if it's because if it's, it's if it doesn't hit, it's gonna bomb. Or we're gonna have to delete this later. But were you ever a fan of the show Lost? Oh yeah, I watched it. Yeah. What were the numbers they had to input in the show? Oh, oh, I don't know. You <laughs> stumped me. Eight, eight, sixteen, twenty-three, forty-two. I think that was it. Wow. No, no, no. <laughs> just multiplication. <laughs> what was it? Somebody Google it. Well, hey, yeah. Let, let Josh know. We might cut this. We might not cut this. We'll see. It just depends. All right. Is so it my uh, turn? Here we go. What is your favorite app on your phone right now? Uh, well, probably two. Uh, because I value efficiency so much, I love Waze as oh, yeah. a navigation app. It, it's just better than anything that I've tried. And then the second one, like I mentioned, I'm trying to work out more and I do my best workouts in classes. Hmm. And the gym that I'm a member has uh, four, four franchises within about 10 minutes of me. And so I'm on that app at least once a day, figuring out which class I'm going to go to at which gym, um, typically at five o'clock. So that's really cool. I do want to update the podcast with the correct loss numbers really quickly. <laughs> and I was close, actually. Okay. It was four, eight. 15, 16, 23, 42. So, wow. so close. So Impressive. close. Just still, still several numbers still off. Still wrong. Still wrong. Still wrong. <laughs> okay. Hey, last question. This is one of my favorite questions that we have on here. What one sentence advice would you give someone going into a leadership position for the first time? Mm. Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is my favorite scripture passage. Um, it, my husband and I had this read in our wedding ceremony because it means so much to both of us. And that's John 15 mm. uh, about us abiding in Christ. And that's where our fruit comes. And it's so easy for me to rely on my gifts or hard work or sheer grit and tenacity um, and think that that's where my fruit comes and how good it is to be reminded that no, anything that happens in me and through me is the work of Jesus Christ and by God's grace. And so um, may we all abide in Jesus so that that's where our fruit comes from.
I love that you mentioned it. It's probably my favorite I am statement. Um, and, and John, and yeah. we just talked about this a few weeks ago um, at church, but the true vine, like when he says, I am the true vine, I think it is so cool. I've heard Matt Chandler preach on this before, where whenever they talked about vine imagery in the Bible, it normally represented, this is getting a little theological here, but <laughs> normally represented um, the people of Israel were like doing something wrong. Like it was normally bad news when he's like talking about vine imagery. And so the reason he says, I'm the true vine is because he's saying, I am doing what you could not do for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I've become what you could never be for yourself. And I am the true vine that you ran connected to me, dependent on me, remaining in me. Um, it is such a powerful passage of scripture. So I'm so happy, so happy that you talked about it. <laughs> Love that. Thanks. So good. Well, Kara, thanks for joining us on the podcast today and sharing about your leadership journey. Oh, my pleasure. Chandler and Josh, you asked great questions. <laughs> oh, so glad. Hey, if you're listening, make sure you go check out the new study, Faith in an Anxious World. It's going to be something you're going to want to check out. Also, the podcasts, something that you're going to want to check out as well. And thanks for listening today. We hope this has been helpful to you in your leadership journey. And if it has, head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review to help other leaders like yourself find the podcast. We'll see you next week. See ya.